0: Nebraska Public Media Sports brings you live coverage of the NSAA High School Baseball Championships from Werner Park in Omaha on Friday, May 17th. Catch the Class C game at noon Central, Class B game at 3.30 p.m. Central, and Class A at 7 p.m. Central on Nebraska Public Media.
1: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help.
2: back in, but Harburg, he's taking a shot. Downfield, wide open, end zone, caught, touchdown. It's Malachi Coleman. It's Johnson, it's Harper, beg your pardon, and he's in, touchdown.
1: Welcome back. Herd at Sports Radio, kicking off hour number two. We will be talking with Mitch Sherman here shortly, but as we wait, I want to tell you about our friends at the Warhorse Sports Book. They are the sometimes they're friends to me. Well, they're always friends to us. Sometimes they're friends to your bets, and sometimes, (laughs) you know, sometimes you owe a little bit, a little bit of money. That's the nature of. Oh, I don't know anything.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I put everything up up front.
1: (laughs) The, uh, War they Horse, just keep it. Well, yeah, sometimes they keep it. Sometimes they give it back with more. Uh-huh. Sometimes they keep it. Uh, the Warhorse Sportsbook is the best place in Nebraska to place your sports bets. Got to be in person at the casino to place those. They got plenty of kiosks and sportsbook tellers. You can build your bets on the app. Go to the casino, scan mm-hmm. your QR code, which is really easy. And, man, just bing, bang, boom, you get your bets in just like that. You can bet on pretty much every major sporting event. They've got straight bets, parlays, props, live in game bets which are kind of my personal favorite, love, love an in-game bet, you can go to WarhorseCasino.com to find out more. Warhorse Sportsbook, no bets, no glory. Joining us now uh, via that Warhorse Sportsbook hotline is Mitch Sherman. Mitch, how are you this morning?
2: I'm well. How are you guys? Good, Mitch. We Good to hear you. We
1: are doing well. Uh, you know, I was having this thought last night as I'm kind of preparing to, to talk to you this morning, and... Like so, so you're you work for the Athletic, obviously, which was purchased by the New York Times. Do you ever think it's weird that the New York Times is a Nebraska football beat writer?
2: No, it's not weird at all. <laughs> like, I was
1: just thinking about that. I was like, technically, Mitch is a Nebraska football writer for the New York Times. Like it's a li- like it's a little strange to think about in that context.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, we've got separate newsrooms and and uh, um, all kinds of. Uh, joints and, and 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 separate operations, but, uh, no, I, I think it's great, in fact. No, it, it's terrific,
1: and obviously we love the work that, that everybody does over there at The Athletic. Um, uh, so, coming off of the Northwestern game, uh, I was, you know, I was a little surprised the last couple of weeks with Illinois and Northwestern, sort of the fan reaction, and I know, you know, fans are, can be irrational, I can be too, like, I get it, but I, I guess... The way that fans have reacted, especially to the offense, considering everything that's going on, has that taken you by surprise at all? Uh,
2: you know, not really this latest chapter. I, I, I kind of felt that way early in the season with the reaction to some of the games, You know, whether it was the way that Nebraska lost at Minnesota or the reaction maybe to ugly wins in the non-conference season against Northern Illinois and Louisiana Tech. But you know, I think it's important not to base your entire feelings about the way that the Nebraska fan base is reacting uh, because of what you see on social media. Um, I do think in in just talking to people and and you know i, I gauge my you know, kind of the temperature of the of the Nebraska fans probably as much or more from like human interaction than I do from just looking on Twitter but um yeah it it you know it very much is a situation like it is with the players and like Matt rule has has come to not just recognize but embrace it's a situation with the fans and the players where you know you're kind of living in this new world of Nebraska football, but all of the context and everything that's happened over the past, you know for the fans, it might be ten, twenty, thirty years for the players, you know it's one, two, three, four years. All of that is, is rolled up into one, and I, I think w- when, you, when you look at it that way, it does explain why the fans um, react the way that they do to some things. You know, I think what's important right now is to recognize that Nebraska's won four of its last five games, and it's got all kinds of issues you know, on both sides of the ball with injuries, but, of course, the offensive side has been hit a lot worse, and the fact that they can kind of continue to push and make progress, you know, even when it doesn't look like the kind of progress you want to see uh, as a fan or a player, and and you know, understand that the coaches, you know, they, they want Nebraska to score more than seventeen points in a win against Northwestern too. Um, yeah, it, it, I mean, to me, it it uh, when it all comes out in the wash, like things are going pretty well right now over the last five games, but um, you know, there's always people who are going to want to, um, you know, pick at at the. You know the things they don't like, and that's fine that's just that's just how the how the world works
0: Mitch, um, speaking of the offense and embracing the change and the turnover, what position group completely beat up do you think has the best chance of not skipping a beat when it comes to the
2: overall gameplay? well, I mean so you're asking about the offensive line and you're asking about the wide receivers. Correct. And those are the two that have taken the biggest hits. I mean, earlier in the year, it was definitely the running backs and I think we know where they're at and it's, you know, it's Emmett Johnson. You got, you know, you still have Anthony Grant, but he's got to hold onto the football. And we understand that that's a, that's a non-negotiable with Matt rule and his offensive staff, but between the other two position groups, I think the offensive line has a better chance to like keep keep it going. Um, and they've been doing an okay job. I mean, it's take they take a lot of a lot of heat. And I think last year it was more deserving than it is this year. I mean, the Nebraska's leading the Big Ten in rushing. Not just rushing yards per game, but rushing yards per attempt. So that's that's not something to take for granted. And I get that they're doing that at the expense of of having a, a productive and efficient passing game, and it just hasn't been there for Nebraska through the air. Um, you know, that's in part because of those injuries at wide receiver and because of what Nebraska's going through at quarterback with a um, a new a new starter, inexperienced starter. Um, but I think the Lions got a chance to, to kind of keep this going, um, at least what they've done to this point, which is, I'd say, be a – a middle of the road um, Big Ten offensive line—that's not too bad. Um, that's pretty good in the in the national scope. Um, the guys who are coming in to fill in for the injured starters over these next couple games, and in the case of two of them, for the rest of the season, uh, they're they are also experienced. They're not experienced on the same level as as Corcoran, Piper, and Ely, but um, they've all played. And Teddy Prohaska started, Henry Lutovsky started a little bit. You know, Justin Evans Jenkins is one of the guys that the coaches are highest on among young players on the offensive side of the ball. So I think there's an opportunity there for these guys to to play well and for Nebraska fans to be impressed with what they're doing. The big issue and the big concern um, is that they're just out of depth now. And those guys were the depth, and now they're the front-line players. So if there's any more of what we saw last Saturday – um, then they're going to be playing freshmen. And that's when I think you could see you would see a drop-off.
1: Uh, Mitch, you know, as we go kind of look through this schedule, obviously you're uh, kind of weighing the state of the team versus the teams that they have coming up on the schedule. As you kind of look at this, how do you, I guess, what's the most realistic version of how this plays out for Nebraska on the way out here?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, you can look at it. And you can say there isn't a great team left on the schedule, so hey, why not go five and zero? And then you know, obviously, you're looking at an incredible season record-wise. I don't think that's realistic. Mm -hmm. That's not the most realistic view of this because Nebraska also is not a great team. Sure, Um, it's very they're a very um, middle of the road team. I think even within the Big Ten West, they're very much a middle of the road team. And all of these teams, as we've heard. The coaches say, as we've heard, you know, I think the players understand this, fans understand this, all of these teams that are left, all five of them, could beat Nebraska on any old Saturday. And there's a scenario where Nebraska could beat any of these teams um, on, a, on, a, on a specific game, um, in a specific situation. Now, it's going to be tough. Um, they're not going to be a favorite going to Wisconsin. I don't think they're going to be a favorite at home against Maryland. Um, unless the Terps just totally fall apart under the weight of the Big Ten East and and what they have to go through there. But uh, realistic to me is getting to six wins, maybe even having a shot at seven, which a few weeks ago didn't necessarily seem like the most likely scenario. It didn't seem realistic. I wouldn't say that felt realistic when Nebraska was 0-2, but they've – Writed some things and I think they've learned a lot about themselves and these coaches have learned a lot about how to push their buttons and and they're comfortable right now in the way that this team's being coached in the way that they're performing uh, and, and how they're getting to to uh, have chances to win games they feel good about kind of the process so you put all that together and they're at four wins right now uh, I, I don't think it's I think it's realistic to say they'll have a chance to get three more.
0: Mitch, one quote that stuck out to me most from Coach Rule earlier this week was when he was talking about the effort chasing down guys after Northwestern made big plays. What was Mm -hmm. probably six early in the year was first and goal or first and 10 in the red zone and resulted in a field goal. How impressed are you in that aspect of the defense this year? Not only not giving up on plays, but making the big tackle and avoiding detrimental gains. And and you can even insert Isaac Gifford here in the open field um, as a part of this
2: pool too. For sure. Yeah. I wrote about that yesterday. um, About winning ugly and the, the art of winning ugly and how the defense, those two plays you're talking about with Omar Brown and and um, Malcolm Hartzog chasing guys down. And not only did they chase players down where they could have given up, they could have just kind of raised their hands in disgust and it would have been a couple of touchdowns for Northwestern. Not only did they, did they catch those guys and make the tackles and give the defense another opportunity, but then they stayed out there and contributed to the defense stiffening up and both of those drives ended in field goals so like luke reimer pointed out on tuesday when he talked to the media that's eight points that they saved four on each one of those drives and you see the final score in nebraska won by eight points so those are winning plays and that's the formula that matt rule is looking for same thing with gifford you know his play forces a punt it ends a drive early in the in the second half where Northwestern, if it's not a touchdown on that play, if the guy gets past Gifford, or if the blockers make their blocks and he doesn't fight through and stop that running back on the screen pass, um, if it's not a touchdown, you know it puts Northwestern in position to get more points. So all of those plays, they save points, they're winning plays. It's interesting to look at it and say that two of the most important plays in that game for Nebraska came on the biggest gains uh, of the game for Northwestern. They're, they're two explosive plays. Um, it was a gain of 66 on the pass play that Hartzog chased down, and, and a run for a gain of 39 on the play with that Omar Brown chased down. So that that those those to me are things that winning winning teams do, and you know teams that we've too often seen at Nebraska in recent years plays that they don't make. Um, not saying that the, the the defensive players in the past. Would give up on those plays. Maybe it just had had more to do with uh, how well the defense was equipped to be able to to run something like that down. I think they've got guys in better positions right now to to recover and make plays on those. You know, make make a positive out of a negative than they have in, in previous seasons. We're talking with Mitch Sherman from the Athletic.
1: Mitch, you know, you, you talked about kind of the value of winning ugly and. I guess as I look around the Big Ten West, you see a lot of teams that win ugly. And I think the assumption is at some point, if you're in Nebraska, you go from winning ugly to winning pretty. But if you look around the Big Ten West, that's not a transition that a lot of those teams have made. How much do you think that actually does translate if you you continue to progress from what we're seeing now for Nebraska to what we hope to see in future years?
2: Yeah, I think the plan, you know, the blueprint – for Matt rule and this and this system is to progress offensively to a point where you don't have to win games like this and some of it's going to be necessitated by what's coming in the Big Ten. You know when this league expands next year and it's 18 teams and you don't have divisional play. There's not going to be this same kind of uh, rhythm within the schedule that you see develop in a year like this with the Big Ten West programs, you know, there won't be an opportunity for Iowa. Um, you know, or Nebraska, Minnesota, these these Big Ten West schools. I don't need to list them all. There won't be this opportunity for these teams to to put together the kind of seasons that they have become accustomed to being able to put together by just rolling off ugly victories against one another. You know, you're going to be mixing in a game against Oregon or a game against USC um, right in the middle of this stuff, and it's going to that, that's going to you, you're you're either going to have to adapt or you're going to get left behind. So I think that's, that, that bodes well for Nebraska because this isn't the end product. You know, you may say this is, the pro- this is the way that Minnesota, this is the way that Iowa has chosen to play football. And it's worked for them because it, just, it continues to get them to eight, nine wins a year and get them to bowl games. Well, I, I think that changes when the Big Ten changes, and it starts next year. So it's fortunate, you know, for Nebraska that this is not the end product, that they have a vision for this offense – that looks a lot different than what we see right now, and I think that starts next year. You know, and the discussion begins right now um, about what to do at quarterback, I recognize they have five games left, and it's Heinrich Harburg's, it's his, it's his uh, ship to captain right now. But I can guarantee you, there's just, there's there's conversations going on behind the scenes, and there's thought being given to how this offense is going to take it to the next level because they want there to be a next level. At you know, Iowa, I don't know what they want. I don't know if they just want to uh, continue to grind in the same way that they are right now. At Nebraska, I know that they want to take it to another level, and that, you know, they, they're recruiting speed at the receiver positions. They value that as much as speed and athleticism more than anything. So they need a, a quarterback, whether that's Heinrich Carberg or somebody who comes through the transfer portal who can get the ball downfield to those guys to make plays that's the that 's the vision that they have um, and, and you know that that uh, you know I think will lead to a, a style of football that doesn't look quite as ugly as, as what we see right now
0: Mitch uh, we know this staff is very good at communicating what they want and their message and um, I, I I would venture to say that probably about and maybe I'm shooting too high here, or maybe I'm right on the nose, maybe 80% of people were bought into Coach Rule right away because of just his message that he was proclaiming in the off season. But then there were those 20% that were a little bit skeptical still, like, hey, like, I, I don't want to just buy into something where he could just be blowing smoke um, in that situation. I was talking to somebody earlier this week, a, a fan that said, hey, like, what do you guys like think about um, in, in terms of the transparency of this coaching staff, because I, I, I really like that. And I, I sat back and I said, yeah, that's kind of what we've been talking about. But then I also never really thought about that other end of the spectrum of those that may not be all the way caught up just yet. But my question to you is, because Nebraska is winning, do you think those fans are getting closer to caught up? And that number from 80% bought in from the fan base is closer to 100
2: yeah. I mean, I think when they get to a place where, you know, you see them going to bowl games or, you know, playing, playing at the end of the season with an opportunity to win a conference championship, then they'll get closer to, it'll never be a hundred percent. I mean, that's just the that's just the way it is, but then they'll get, they'll get above if it's 80% or if it's 70%, whatever that was bought in initially, they'll, they'll rise above that. It may be added a few, a few percentage points to it, but you know, I don't think it's a dramatic rise because I think people who were skeptical of Matt rule from the beginning, you know, are probably in the crowd right now that's saying, yeah, you know, look at the teams that they've beaten and there's a, it's a valid point. You know, they haven't beaten a great team. They haven't necessarily beaten a good team to this point. And, you know, look at the way they're doing it offensively. You know, how's that going to work against, against uh, a winning team, against a bowl team? How's that going to work when you, you want to, compete for a conference championship. So I, you know, there's reason certainly to be skeptical and, and, you know, I, I, I understand and I'm not, I'm not even disagreeing with the people who say, yeah, you know, he's a, he's a good talker and he, he whatever talks a big game, you know, he's, he can motivate his players, but you know, people, Nebraska fans have been burned by that kind of stuff um, for, for 20 years. You know, there's people maybe who, believed in Bill Callahan or believed in Mike Riley or even, even in guys like Pelini and Frost who were more known to the fan base that they were all in and they bought in at the beginning only to, you know, feel, uh, you know, betrayed later on when things weren't working out. So, you know, you tricked me once. Okay. But now you're working on like the fifth time. So I recognize that there's a lot of people out there who need to see it, need to see more than just four wins and seven games before they're all in on Matt Rule, Mitch uh, Rule
1: talked a little bit earlier in the week, and, and you kind of referenced it earlier as well about the uh, some of the freshmen that are going to be playing pretty pretty soon here, especially the guys coming off of redshirts or not coming off red shirts that are redshirting this <laughs> season mm-hmm. and can mm-hmm. play their four games. I guess how much of an impact do you expect those types of guys to have uh, moving forward? Obviously, you got one more game before they can uh, come in and, and not lose their redshirt.
2: Yeah, you know, some of these guys have played in a couple games already or one game. I mean, in the case of, like, Jaden Doss, who's the primary fill-in for Billy Kemp while he's down, Jaden's played in two games. So they face a real decision there with five left, depending on how much time Billy Kemp misses. Like, do you play Jaden Doss this week? I think he probably will play this week. I mean, he's your number one slot receiver, so he's definitely playing this week. I mean, I just talked myself into it right there. But... (laughs) um, (laughs) You know, like Rule said, he's not concerned about burning the red shirts to guys if they're, if they're playing 50 snaps a game. Mm-hmm. What he doesn't want to do is play guys for six, eight, ten snaps a game and then go over that four-game threshold. So when, you, when you're looking at the young offensive linemen like Sam Sledge and Gunnar Gatula, those are the two true freshmen at the top of the list, Tyler Knack. Is a redshirt freshman who, who transferred in is also in that category. You know those guys are going to be needed. I think in like special team situations, you don't send out your entire starting offensive line to block for offense, uh, extra points and field goals. Um, you need to give those guys a rest and play some backups in that time. Well, your backups are redshirting, so th- there's I think there's enough as long as they don't have more injuries. There's enough of those freshmen. Um, where you can mix and match, and each of them can play in four games and still keep those red shirts while they help Nebraska. Um, at the receiver spots, they're kind of in a spot with the three who are playing where they're going to play. And, you know, Malachi Coleman and, and Jalen Lloyd are, are are they're definitely not red shirting. Um, you know, Quentin Ives is another guy at running back. He, he got his, his first reps against Northwestern. Um, but I think they're going to try to keep him un- at, at four games. So of the five games left, he's got three where he can play. Now, if if Emmitt Johnson goes down with an injury, or you know, if Anthony Grant or or, or you know, Joshua Fleeks is is unable to go, then you might be looking at a different situation with Ives. But right now, um, he's in that category of guys who who's, who would be limited to four games. Rule said fifty. You don't want him to play
0: six. But say you met somewhere in the middle there, Mitch, with like twenty five. You'd have to think that. Um, any and all players would want to forego their their so-called first season if this team's playing in a bowl game, right? Like if this team's yeah. in position to be playing in an impactful game.
2: Yeah, if you can help the team win and you can help the team get over a major hurdle, like, like, like uh, uh, hit a milestone like that, and it would be a big milestone for Nebraska just to get to six wins because of how the last six years have gone then, you know, I think, you know, it's, for every freshman, it's going to be a different situation. But if you're a freshman, let's say you're one of those receivers, you know, Doss um, would, would be the one in that category who's played in four games, and all of a sudden they need you against Iowa. Um, I mean, it's his it's his call, and, you know, he only he knows how, how that works. And I think it would be a conversation that he'd have to have with the coaches, like, in the week leading up to the game. You don't want to put a guy – in a position where you got to make that call in the moment, like mm-hmm. if the defense is coming off the field and they're like, "All right, we need you," you don't want to put a guy in that position where he's got to decide in that moment, in the last game of the year, whether he goes in. That's uh, those are things that have to be discussed in the in the days and weeks leading up to that game. So I think the coaches, as they get into November, will we'll start to have some of those conversations with just a select few number. There's only a couple guys in that spot where they still don't know. If they're, if they're going to be on one side of the fence or the other when it comes to a redshirt. Mitch Sherman
1: from The Athletic. Mitch, we appreciate your time as always. We'll talk to you again soon. All
2: right. Good to talk to you guys. Thanks.
1: Thanks, Mitch. That's our guy, Mitch Sherman, from the Athletic on the War Horse Sportsbook Hotline. Really good stuff there from of the Mitch best, Mitch, as always. Did you ever listen to those press conferences, too, and hear Mitch ask oh, a question yeah. and think, gosh, he's so smart. Yeah. I, I, I do try, and because you can't always hear the, but you, the question But you can recognize well, him. But there's a couple guys, and he's one of them. Also, if it's a good question, I was like, nah, I bet that's Mitch. Right. <laughs> More times than not. <laughs> uh, we will do our little NBA preview coming up. Next here on Herd Sports Radio.